you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a podcast that recounts every episode of Person of Interest. I know, because we made it. We designed the podcast to continue our bullshit, but we see everything. Random numbers of the week. People like you. Episodes the average viewer deems irrelevant. You wouldn't watch it, so we did. But I needed partners. Someone who had never watched this before. Hunted by weirdos on the internet, we record in secret. You will never find them. But, newbie or diehard, if your episode's up, we will find you. Hello, and welcome to the library for Podcast of Interest. This is a rewatch podcast for Person of Interest, featuring two veteran operatives and one newly initiated. My name is Justin, and joining me are my two associates, my veteran operative Jude, and our new recruit, Anna. Uh, Jude, Anna, if you could steal the identity of one person, what would you do with it? I would steal the identity of Mitch McConnell. I would use that opportunity. (laughs) I was like, I was doing this like a general thing, but okay, we're going specific. I would use that opportunity to allow everything on the Democrats' agenda to get onto the Senate floor. And then I would force my caucus to vote for it. And then I would, what could I do that would be the most traumatic? I think I would then donate money to a bunch of Planned Parenthoods. I would be photographed next to people that were not white. (laughs) This is getting really... Personal? Yeah. (laughs) Intricate. Anna. What would you do? Hold on. I'm not done. I have at least 10 more things I could do to humiliate and frustrate Mitch McConnell before I gave up his identity, but I'll let it go. I'll just sit here and think about it and dream. I'm I'm not sure that I can come up with anything that's better than Jude's other than like maybe something with Elon Musk. I, you really want to go anywhere near Elon Musk though? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, same with you and Mitch McConnell, though. Yeah, honestly, ooh, you hear the, the Ohio O on that one? Honestly, um, I would rather stand next to Mitch McConnell than Elon Musk. Wow. That's a choice. That That is, that is a value judgment right there. Anyways, tonight we are covering episodes 18 and 19 of season one, Identity Crisis and Flesh and Blood. I don't know who did these episodes, so whoever uh, whoever did the first one, Godspeed. That would be me. Episode 18, Identity Crisis, is written by Amy Berg, our good friend Amy Berg, and directed by Charles Besson. It's probably not how it's pronounced, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, this week's number is Jordan Hester, who has virtually no digital footprint, which is a problem for Finch. But eventually he narrows down to two individuals, a man who works at a bar and a woman that Finch follows into a bookstore. Before he can properly suss her out, Reese finds the man and follows him to an apartment that he thinks is owned by the man where ecstasy is being made in bulk. It turns out, however, that the man has had his identity stolen and he is trying to find the person who has stolen it. That person, it turns out, is the woman who is with Finch. She drugs Finch, leaves him to die in a fire, uh, but Finch thankfully is rescued by Fusco. They lure her to a restaurant, and she is arrested. It's possible that I left some details out of that. It's not important. As as <sighs> A-plots go, could not matter less, except for the fact that we get a very uh, a, a loopy-doopy, high-as-a-kite finch 
interacting with Reese. That's really the only part of the A plot we care about. Uh, in the B plot, Carter deals with an FBI investigation into the man in the suit led by our favorite government fuckbag, Donnelly, uh, who will be a recurring character. He wants to expose the CIA attempt on Reese, and he also believes that Reese is now working for Elias, proving that he is an absolute moron. <laughs> so that's your episode. This is an episode, if I can summarize briefly, beyond the, the actual events, that offers almost nothing except for fun bits. But it has a lot of those. There's a lot of them. This episode is existing on bits, and I think I know why. So Amy Berg, who wrote this episode, I was like, this name sounds familiar. Um, she mostly does producer work uh, these days, but she was a writer on Leverage and Eureka. Mm -hmm. She's written a couple episodes for this show, I thought. Uh, no, she, this is the only episode she's written. She was a producer uh, for a while on this episode. Mm. Well, a supervising producer, whatever that means. Uh, if you're in Hollywood, don't at me. Or maybe do. This might be an interesting conversation. But uh, that's the only one she did. But she did like half a dozen Leverage episodes. Interesting. Which, interesting. Um, like, okay, there's there's vibes here of that, I, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. yeah, where like the plot is sort of like immaterial to the bits. Yeah. But but it's enjoyable. It's fine. I, I really I enjoyed rewatching the episode. Yeah, it's not it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's just it's the definition of filler. It's fun. Uh it, Yeah. It's fun filler. Yeah, it's yeah. Fun like, filler. There there's a lot of good stuff. And there is a very important character moment while Harold is drugged. Mm -hmm. Which is that Harold is, they're, they're back at the library. And John is like, come on, let's get, eat a bed. Let's get you hydrated. You're going to be coming down from a trip. I think it's noteworthy that Reese knows exactly how to handle somebody that's coming down off ecstasy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, you know, you got to know those things when you're a spy. Um, <laughs> Either that or he knows how to party. <laughs> I do not think that John knows how to party. No. But Harold's like, what? You don't want to ask me questions while I'm like vulnerable. And John says, no, you're a very private person. Remember? And just... The boundaries, the respect. Yeah. I'm, I was like, oh, my heart. And then Harold, as John is walking away, says, good night, Nathan. <laughs> and I was like, and every time I see it, <laughs> I stand up and scream. Yeah. It's a really good little moment uh, of characterization yeah. for Finch um, and for Reese. Yeah, because because Reese has been needling Finch for the entire season to get more information out of him. Yeah, but he's got he has his own rules and he's not going to take advantage of Finch being loopy doopy. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is also the first appearance, as I mentioned, of uh, our favorite bureaucratic bumbling butthead. Donnelly, uh, a man who manages to be as wrong as wrong can be every time it matters, except for once, <laughs> much to his uh, dismay and downfall. He's like, he's it's almost like he's right about everything except like the specific details. Right, right. Yeah, he, he just can't get it all the way right, except for the one time. And boy, does that not go well for him. I can't hate Donnelly. Uh, I can't because he, he's just such a doof. He, he 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 you never feel like Reese is actually threatened by Donnelly. And and it's interesting because like you can you can sort of like see his motivations where he's like the CIA is operating on American soil and like this is bad and also like we 
can't have like rogue assassins walking around and like yeah. we all know who what Reese actually is but like he's not really wrong either yeah no view, you, he viewed from the outside you can see how he gets there and he's not a bad person he just doesn't know all the information but it's just funny watching him make the most bananas leaps like well obviously he's working for elias now that's that's our our working theory you could just see carter in the background like fucking white men like just (laughs) i mean the thing that makes him not as annoying as like snow i think is that aside uh, from the actor donnelly has a very nice voice donnelly has a very nice voice and and the actor has (laughs) so a, a vibe he has like a uh he 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 has a vibe that's not as like the guy who plays Snow has a uh I have a big friend who's gonna steal your lunch money for me vibe. And this guy has a I don't know, he just has a different vibe. He doesn't have a like bully butthead vibe. He has a like, I don't know, like hall monitor vibe. <laughs> He's like sincerely trying to do something good. He's just like doesn't doesn't see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Kelly just has, like, an incredibly punchable face. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a funny thing. One of the things that uh, Reese says in this episode is he uh, has a line where he says, will the real Jordan Hester please stand up? And in the wiki for this episode, they're like, this is obviously a reference to the 1943 television show, blah, 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 blah. It talks about this TV show from the 40s where, like, two people would lie and one person would tell the truth. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's a reference to Slim Shady. My guys, I don't think that this is a reference to like a TV show from the 40s that nobody, nobody has watched. I don't know, because television people like making references to other television. Maybe the television writers And the Slim Shady line is a, like, the Slim Shady line, like, if you trace it back, we'll go back to that. Well, sure, but I'm saying if you asked a hundred people what that line was referencing, none of them would tell you it was a a fucking weird a, a fucking weird talk show or game show from the forties. It, it, that's what I always think. I always think it's weird that Reese knows fucking Eminem. Like that's always my, my, my reaction to that line. You called this out as well, uh, Justin, but the idea that Finch created social media so that people would put their <laughs> personal information online for the machine to get it is so fucking hilarious it's and bananas. dark. It's just too good. Um, I love it. That's it that's hits like so much harder and weirder and darker now. Like at the time, I was like, oh, that's funny. And now I'm like, oh, that's probably true. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of gets back to the, the thing of like in social media, you know, you're you're not the consumer. You're the product. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I do like that that bit of character building. Finch on drugs is just very fun in general. Mm-hmm. He has his little goofy, you want to hack the Pentagon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, as he realizes that like, he's in trouble and tries to focus and is not successful. He's like, I can counter this by, woo, pretty lights. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, there there's some neat cinematography though that where he's like playing with his glasses and they've got like the the camera like shooting through the glasses and playing with like 
mm-hmm. like focus and stuff like that. Yeah. That that looks cool. I I also just really like it general how like Finch just gets played. Yeah. 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 It's just a very fun like thing of like you know, like he's not like exactly a people person. Yeah, and this is this is an episode also where like you can see the twist coming from a mile away that they've they've identified that you know they've figured out like of the two people who's who could be this identity they figured out which is which um, incorrectly. But you know you see it from a mile away and it's still very enjoyable to see um, you know, as it as it plays out. I actually thought that the whole like identity theft theft bit was a interesting thing to play around with in terms of the mm-hmm. machine. Mm-hmm. Um and that this is something like that the identity identity theft combined with like the lack of digital footprint um is enough to essentially stump the machine but not quite. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it knows something is up here but it's like I cannot it, it's like I it's one of those things like with Elias where it's just like it doesn't have the correct information to draw the conclusion, right? And and thus, you know, the our, our boys get kind of bamboozled as well. Yeah, about it. And as we will see in a couple of episodes, it is possible to bamboozle the machine as well yeah. as Finch if you know how the machine thinks, or at least if you know mm-hmm. how the machine works as far as how the numbers are produced. Yeah, one of the kind of big characters in it is the the last dude whose identity got stolen who is now in prison um and like that dude's story is like why you don't talk to cops ever without a lawyer present because <laughs> <laughs> he's like everything i just kept telling them things and then they twisted my words whatever happened and it's like yeah yeah mm-hmm. they do that i'm just gonna check to make sure the jordan testers aren't anybody i know She's distinctive. I feel like I've seen her somewhere, but she's in twenty-five episodes of twenty-four show I've never seen. Uh, but that's it. What about the other Jordan Hester? There's a detective in here, the one who works uh identity fraud like who works fraud, who is in a hundred and twenty-five episodes of The Walking Dead because this show will not die. <laughs> he is a current cast member of The Walking Dead. I don't know if this is the last season or what, but dude has been the cast ever since 2014. Wild. Which I will say, I will never begrudge an I will I will never begrudge an actor for taking a paycheck. Let's save all of us a lot of time and not talk about The Walking Dead. Yeah. Let's talk about some Bob shit. Yeah. Uh so yeah, the next one is season one, episode 19, Flesh and Blood. Written by Amanda Siegel and directed by Stephen Semmel. Uh, so we've got five numbers this time. The heads of the five families of New York. Uh, buckle in, everyone, because Elias is finally making his move to take over the city. Uh, Carter is still not speaking to John and uh, not speaking to John and Harold, but realizes that Elias is planning something uh, when she discovers that he's drained four million bucks from his bank accounts, presumably to pay for bribes. Meanwhile, Simmons from HR tells Fusco to stay clear of homicide for the next couple of days. So that bodes well. Reese tries to convince the first Don, Caparelli, to go into hiding, uh, but strikes out only to witness Caparelli's demise via car bomb immediately afterwards, uh, courtesy of Scarface. Carter tries to protect Don Basile, but one of Elias's goons gets a drop on them and shoots the Don, and Carter is once again narrowly rescued by John. 
Carter and the boys exchange info, and Finch agrees to investigate the money transfers, since Carter can't do that without a warrant. The next day, Carter recruits Fusco and the, tr- and the two kidnap, uh, I mean rescue, the rest of the Dons, bringing them to one of Finch's safe houses. Meanwhile, John follows some of the people that Elias paid and realizes that they, in turn, are following the families of HR members. He realizes that Carter's son is in danger, but he and Finch are too late to stop Scarface from kidnapping him. Elias wants to trade Taylor for the Dons and tries to convince Carter that he is a lesser evil than them, but John reassures her that he'll rescue Taylor. Carter, Fusco, and the Dons are still pinned down in the safe house with Elias attempting to break in and HR there as his backup. However, HR leaves after Finch informs Simmons of Elias' betrayal. Harold also manages to get Taylor's location, and he and John take off to rescue him. John goes full Rambo and takes out Elias' goons, managing to save both Taylor and Don Moretti. With HR gone, actual police backup arrives, and Carter arrests Elias. In the aftermath, Elias calls the Morettis from prison as they get into their car. He says goodbye, and Scarface blows up the car while he's on the line. We also get flashbacks from Elias' childhood in this episode, first as his foster mother tries to help with a family tree assignment, then as he convinces Moretti to let him join the family business, and finally as Moretti's henchmen try to murder Elias in the woods, prompting him to swear revenge on everyone. Ever. Forever. And that's an episode. Yeah. Longer summer than usual, but there's also a lot that's important, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot I love about this episode, but I love that so much of this episode revolves around the fact that Moretti just fucking blew it and couldn't just cop to the fact that Elias was his son. And if he had, he'd basically be like the Dawn of Dawns and would be living large with his like super genius crime lord son driving things from behind the throne. Yeah, it's like, buddy, you picked the wrong son. Yeah, you backed the the wrong horse there. Instead, uh, he's got this rogue crime lord just wreaking havoc across the city, blowing people up and shooting people and just all manner of havoc. Yeah, it's it's like you could have you could have made a deal with this dude, but no, you spurned him and he just decided, oh, hey, I'm going to become a monster. Yeah, I think it's also really noteworthy. And I always butcher his name. Enrico Corley. How do you say his last name? You want to say Corleone. Yeah, I do. Anyway, the actor who plays Elias is so good. He's so charismatic that he takes this character that you really should hate. He's killing a lot of people. He's blackmailing (laughs) a lot of people. He kidnaps Carter's son, but you don't hate him because he does all of it very apologetically. He's making a compelling argument like, look, I'm, I'm the lesser evil. I'm not doing this. You know, this violence is not gratuitous. I'm keeping it as restrained as possible. I didn't kill your son. I took him for leverage. I'm not going to hurt him any. Like, unless you make me. Unless you make me. But like, (laughs) but that shouldn't be a charismatic character that you like, but you do. And I I think that comes down entirely to the actor who is so charismatic and so like, you just want to like him. I, they cast that character so well. And he doesn't look the way that you'd expect either for, you know, the the jilted son of a mob boss who's sworn revenge on the entire criminal underworld of New York. Yeah. He looks like a school teacher. He does. He really does. That's good. 
yeah, I really, I really enjoy Elias. Um, and, you know, and the, the end of the episode, you know, showing that he might be in prison, but like. That doesn't mean shit. Right, right. Because here he is using a guard's cell phone. <laughs> to blow up a fucking car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do like how they immediately established. No, yeah, he, he runs the prison too. Yeah. Yeah. His thing of like, you know, being the evolution of organized crime is really interesting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> One touch I really liked was, well, John going all Rambo on that entire warehouse of guys because they touched Carter's son is very good. It's very good. It's real Cro-Magnon. Like, but you, I like it in the sense that like, I, I, I don't love, there's an element of, of John's character of the like big male protector stereotype that is not always good. But in, th but like when he's leaping to protect his friends and the people around him, it really, really works. And this is one of the times when it really, really works. I think Reese's character functions best, not when he's like, hmm, got to defend that soldier, bro. But when he's protecting the, the found family that the show gives him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that it was a decent callback to what's the name of that episode? Baby Blue or something? The one with the the one with the, um, the comic small kid? child or oh, the baby. Yeah, um, where that was the uh, that was the last time we saw Elias, right? Mm -hmm. And John's here being like, "Okay, you say you don't want to hurt kids, but like here you are doing it again." Yeah, <laughs> I like that he leaves Moretti though. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care about you. It's, I'm, I'm I'm here for one person. Yeah, I'll cut your I'll, cu I'll cut your I'll cut your cuffs, but yeah, yeah. Fun little thing about like John's growing weapon collection. Um, so he gives Carter an assault rifle, which is a Belgian FN 2000, which is just, it's a really bulky gun. And I feel like, John, there are smaller guns you can, there are more compact guns you can get. You have problems. Like, you, you, you feel like it was not as romantic of a uh, a weapon to give her. I feel like if you're going to get, I feel like if, listen, if, if I'm going to give a weapon to a significant other, you know, I would want to consider what they're doing. I mean, sure, protecting mobsters, it might want to be like, you want to have that intimidation factor. And, you know, it definitely has that. But I mean, concealability and like carry and like carry usage would also be a factor for that. Also, that gun <laughs> looks big enough to like flip her over if she doesn't brace it properly. Yeah. He he might on the other hand he might be like well she has a car to put this into yeah do you think that Taylor like the next day was like so mom can we talk about the assassin that showed up and murdered an entire warehouse full of people to get me back and bring you <laughs> bring bring me back to you <laughs> his mom is like we don't talk about that nope we don't talk about this. Because yep. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, and I thought about this hard, it never comes up again with them. Like, there's other episodes he's in where stuff's going down and, like, it never comes up. And I feel like that's kind of an oversight, but not. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I found hilarious in this episode is with the flashbacks, we're going real far back this time. Yeah. And yeah. the... 
the flashback like the 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 machine um the machine view as we you know scrub backwards through time uh becomes sepia to match the yeah. yeah to match the uh I like sometimes that makes sense because it's like scrubbing through like archival VHS footage that it has somehow gotten but access everything to everything turns sepia Yeah yeah I mean, It's why great. not sure It's great I love it Also Eliza's foster mom honestly like seems seems real nice and like she's trying her best yeah it's hard to raise a future crime lord i mean i assume <laughs> i don't know who does it's like we're but but she also kind of reminds me of when we see elias in his teacher persona too mm. um so okay. you could kind of see potentially where he gets oh, that from yeah interesting i hadn't thought about that but yeah that makes sense um what else god this is one of those episodes that's like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I like yeah. the resolution to it is that he he outclevers himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. he uh, is trying to play too many cards at the same time, and the the discovery that he's got uh, slightly unreliable assassins following all of HR's families is what ultimately gets him busted. I do find that very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, hoisted by your own petard. Yeah, but that's that's what gets him is that he he overcomplicates the plan. He doesn't trust HR, which fair. Uh, but he also doesn't. He, I mean, I feel like of all people, Elias probably should have recognized that like HR needs him more than he needs them. They probably weren't going to dick around on him. But he he doesn't Possibly. trust them, so <laughs> he he yeah. puts these you know like weird psychopaths. To follow their families. Uh, so when that information is revealed, he loses his, his muscle and he loses the game. Not that it stops him. Like, right. It doesn't seem to ultimately make an impact, except that he, he, he kills the, those other dons like later instead of right that second. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. He ends up getting it. Yeah. It, it's he, oh, you're he getting, you're up. getting ahead of where I've seen at this point. So, well, but I mean, in the episode, yeah. like, it doesn't prevent him from killing the people he wants to kill in that episode. He still blows up his dad and his brother. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm the, the only person who... Sur- There's, like, one random mobster who survives, right? Yeah, the one that he already yeah. had suborned. Yeah. Let's see, anything else I, I think is fun here? Um. Okay, so I have a question. I have an engineering question. Okay. Can you actually reverse the polarity on a speaker? wrong podcast that's that is a strange new pods question and i mean it's in this episode it's, te- it's technically oh, i know okay it's technically possible but it's also really stupid cool cool i was like hold on i'm a dummy and my bullshit detector's going off yeah like that you know, ultimately there's not that much difference between you know a diaphragm that record signal and one that outputs signal okay um but i don't think you. Call but also that, it's really stupid i don't because think it, it would not be a good microphone it would be an, yeah I, i've seen people use speakers as microphones before like you can do it okay. but i don't think you call it reversing the polarity that's some like star <laughs> right. trek shit um yeah i know it, it's specifically star trek shit yeah 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 so this is my personal headcanon for when finch says something that sounds like a load of horse shit. 
that he's just lying to John to make it sound. No, is that he's dumbing it down for, for John and he's not bothering. He's like, he's just like, basically like, I'm going to science the science. He's like star Mm -hmm. trekking it down for John. And, and John is just like such a goddamn dummy that he's just like, yep. Uh huh. Cool. No, no, no. It's, it's not star tracking it down. It's star gating it down because this is a Stargate <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, is that like Carter or Jackson will launch into some sort of like detailed explanation of some sort of thing. And then after approximately 3.5 seconds, O'Neill will be like, no, 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 no. Give me the stupid person version. Yeah. O'Neill doesn't want to understand. O'Neill wants to know like the, yeah, the, the, where do I hit it? Hit like, like Reese. But can it go fast? Yeah. He wants to know, like, what are my what are my functional options in this situation? Can I hit it? Can it go faster? Does it blow up? What are what are my operational parameters with with regards to this this thing? I mean, valid. But it's I, I always appreciated that as a way that um as the way that Stargate got around the techno babble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, One thing that I find interesting just in terms of like the show continuity here is so one of the things that this episode lays the groundwork for is we start the episode with Carter telling Fusco that he's the only person that she can trust. Um, Yep. And then we've got the Dons being like, hey, Fusco, old buddy. Yeah. Weren't you on the take? Aren't you a dirty cop? I remember you. Yeah. What a good little weasel. Um, And Carter's, and like, that's planting some seeds. And like, you know, we get mention of Fosco and Stills. And I mean, up at the, up to the point that I watched, Carter still doesn't know exactly what happened to Stills and that, Mm -hmm. you know, why and, and what exactly Fusco's original relationship with John was. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, see how that develops, but this is planting the seeds of distrust between the two. Well, they're, they're both still being parent trapped, of course. Yes. (laughs) That's such a good way of putting it. They are. It's super correct. They are, they are being parent trapped and uh, that's going to come to a head in our next two episodes. Yep. Do we have more to say about this episode or are we? I think I'm good. Um, oh, I do. There is, there is, there is a, there is a Finch line in this episode that I love, which is Elias isn't the only fallen angel in our Rolodex, which is <laughs> yeah, a, a, like a weird mixed metaphor of just like <laughs> using the word Rolodex in such like a dramatic sentence. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just a dissonance. I love how desperately he wants to save Carter's kid as well Mm -hmm. to the point where he is willing to, you know, take a gun and be a distraction. Yeah. Um, And that's a really nice exchange between the two of them where John's like, no, it's okay. You have an important job to be the getaway driver. Stay here. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I love that they both take the fact that they involved Carter in that really seriously. They know that they've made her, a part of that situation and they take their, they take their responsibility in it very super seriously. And they, neither of them want a child to be involved because of it. Yeah. And it's basically the nuclear option of like, everybody is like, Nope. Kids involved death time. Yeah. 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 
we could talk about something else, but uh, maybe we'll just wrap it up and we'll we'll talk about it when it comes up. Do you naturally. need me to take off my headphones? No, we'll we'll hold it for uh, uh, when it comes up more naturally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So um, next time we're going to be covering episodes twenty and twenty one of uh, season one, which are Matsya Nyaya. Nyaya. Oh, I, I, I apologize. Uh, Masia Nyaya and many happy returns. Woof, what a pair. Until next right. time, pew, 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 be seeing ya. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license. Yeah. Which one is 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 it Man from Uncle or was it Mission Impossible that had the amazing uh recocking his arms gif that 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 is mission impossible that which, is the best gif where he's just like chunk, chunk, ready to go <laughs> so uh, good i i i've not seen this i lo- like honestly you have not seen oh my god hold on